You're listening to the Hidden Battles Podcast, brought to you by HiddenBattlesFoundation.org and our partners, DCU, Digital Federal Credit Union. You can find them at DCU.org with our hosts, Scott Heider and Chris Hurst. Welcome to the Battlecast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hidden Battles Podcast. This is Scott. And Chris, live from the Battle Bunker. Yeah, we haven't been here in a while, but uh, here we are. Hey, so real quick, we have a guest on the phone. We're going to get to him in two seconds, but let's uh, rattle off those numbers, Chris. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. Veterans, you can press 1. You can text TALK, BLUE, or HELP to 741741, where you can text with a trained counselor from Crisis Text Line for free, 24-7. Or my favorite three numbers, if you're in a media crisis. Chris's favorite numbers are 911. We were talking a bunch of stuff. We were talking with uh, a good friend, Aaron Chapel. Aaron is a U.S. Marine veteran. He's also a current police officer in a nice municipality in New Hampshire. And uh, Aaron, we got you there? We got you. Excellent. All right, so Aaron, we were talking earlier, we were talking about, this came in from TikTok. Somebody suggested that we talk about veterans and first responders and how it impacts us to work until the holidays. Uh, what's different between normal life and veterans' life? And I think it's like a lot of stuff that the veterans go through in deployments around holidays are, are one fun because we're crazy and we kind of make it that way. But we'll talk about some of that stuff and we'll talk about you know, how, um, how law enforcement is also. So if you want, we'll start, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I, uh, I I was in the Marine Corps from 2001 to 2007 between uh, active and reserves. I got off active duty uh, beginning in 2004 and uh, got hired as a police officer in 2005. And I've been working, uh, coming up on 16 years here in uh, New Hampshire law enforcement. Nice. And you said you were, what did you do in the Marines? I was, uh, I was an infantry assaultman. Nice. Yeah, I was combat engineer. I got to do some of that fun. You know, well, I'd say because we got a we have a slightly better budget than the Marines, and I think that you guys got a bunch of our old crappy stuff. Yes, that's what happens. We uh, we get the Army's hand-me-downs. So once once you guys finish breaking it, we try to put it back together and use it for another like decade. Uh, <laughs> especially the Humvees. <laughs> oh my God, those things were toilets. Yeah. All right. So we were we were talking offline. Um, we we're talking about like deployments and stuff. Now you only spent one Christmas away, right? Was it Thanksgiving Correct. and Christmas together? Talk uh, about well, technically just the one. Well, actually, I was I was away at Christmas, you know, away from home, but stateside. Yeah. But only one, only one actual holiday overseas, which was uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. But see, but that still counts. It, you're away from your family, and that's what this is. This podcast is about. We want to, want to touch on the fact that, like I said offline, like now everybody's living through Zoom. They're living through interactive, uh, contact. Right. Like that. You know, they're living. By calling your parents up, you're doing Zoom meetings, just you know, seeing grandma, grandpa that way, and that's basically how the military and soldiers have been living for so long. This is how we've 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 survived. Yeah, you know. Yeah, just, that, that that was that was life for years. Yeah, that was the norm. You know, absolute the norm for us, and and that's what I was saying. It was like, you know, people like, oh, do you think it's going to be hard for the military? No, we're masters at this. This is like, hey, right, they probably teach it in basic now, you know. Oh, I'm but. sure they do. It's in it, technology's come a long way. So I mean, I I think back to the time that we were in, and you know, you were in a little bit before me, but technology wasn't there, and we made do with poor technology. And I was actually talking to a friend uh, that I was deployed with just the other day, and we were talking about how nice it would have been to have all these, you know, Zoom programs and you know, FaceTime calls and and all all the things that we take for granted now. 
uh, just when you're at work and you can you can FaceTime your kids going to bed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, it, it it was such a uh, a project for for you to even do any form of video messaging home. Yeah. I mean, remember, remember how like, well, at least for me, because I, I got out in 2001, you got in in 2001. I remember how important it was to get mail like that. Yeah, that knew I knew then that my family was thinking about me. You know what I mean? And that like brightened my whole day up and whatever. Like for us to use a laptop, we actually had to purchase a sat card that plugged into the side of the, the laptop and had like a little three inch black antenna. And I don't like a lot of our listeners and maybe some of our listeners will understand what I'm saying. But there was, like, poor service. There was nothing. And we were on one of the big – actually, I think we were on the, to date, biggest operating base outside the United States. Like, um, not, a you know, an official post uh, for uh, Camp Bonsdale. And that thing was huge. And we had every technology up there. We had generals up there. So we had good luxuries up there, right? But yet we didn't have, like, what guys have now. I mean, cell phones. We didn't have cell phones over there. You didn't have a cell phone. You know, where guys over, over in – you know, guys are in Iraq right now TikToking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, I, I don't, it's, and like we were saying earlier too, is um, like you would get on the, the network, right? The military network and you couldn't go to certain sites. Like, I don't think you could probably go, like, I don't think you'd be able to go to TikTok when we were on. No way. Blue Dragon no. would jump on and say, Blue Dragon is watching and you get booted off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They, they, they would kick you off of half the website you wanted to look at. Yeah. And it, and for people who weren't in the military to understand like, it is constantly being monitored. Every site that you're on, like, they give you a list of what you're not supposed to go on. And it'll tell you, you're not, it's not authorized. But if you like, if like Amazon, I was no, who was it? It wasn't Amazon. I'm trying to remember. I tried buying something for my family back home. And it wouldn't let me on. And it said Blue Dragon is watching. And then eventually they, they suspend your IP. And you can't even get on. You know, and, and it's like, for us to go, it's just... I don't not to say they're spoiled. I say and or privileged. I say that they're lucky. Is that that's fair to say? I th I think it's definitely fair. I mean, I I I think that people forget, and especially even like we we're uh, talking earlier about everyone talking about how difficult it is to not see your families and you know, having to do things remotely and Zoom. You know that it's just different mindset now because we would have killed to have that technology back then. Because we were making do with so much less. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? And that's the funny thing. Because yeah, we it was more. But now think of it. So we were spoiled compared to the guys in Vietnam, right? Right. Because all they had was letters that may or may not have even found. Yeah. Exactly. And every every generation gets a, a bonus over the last generation. So it's it's not to knock anyone in the new generation. It's just putting. It's trying to put things back in perspective. You know, when when people say, "Oh my God, this is terrible. I have to talk to Grandma by Zoom." health conditions and I, I can't expose her well but you, you know you, you're still sitting at home with your family having zoom you know back when we did it you know we're sitting with you know three sweaty guys crammed into a, a barracks room the size of most people's closets yeah uh, you know eating crappy food you know three thousand miles away from home in dangerous places and struggling with grainy grainy videos over a slow dial-up internet connection yeah exactly Hold on, we're gonna. And, you know, we're, we're, it kind of puts in perspective and reminds you that as you know, difficult as things are now, because it's different for us, it can be a, a hell of a lot worse. And we're lucky that we have the technologies we have to do this right now. Yeah, no, I agree. It and it's like like we were talking earlier, like um, you know, the one thing that like the military does on like holidays is they kind of they hook you up with a good meal, like Thanksgiving for you guys. Describe your Thanksgiving. I'll describe mine. 
<laughs> so so the Thanksgiving I was deployed for, we were, we were on a uh, joint special operations base uh, in the southern Philippines. And it was funded by God only knows who, but, man, they had some good food. Yeah, so you got uh, – see, 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 when you throw special operators, you throw government agencies in, yeah, the defect, like – it goes up, you know, like the quality of food goes up. And like, like I was saying, I had, all right. So I had the 160th soar on my base. I had, uh, at the time, I think it was fifth group special forces. I had Navy seals on my base. Uh, Mike day was there when I was there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I talked to him about that. He said he was on, on, on the base there. Um, we had, uh, second ranger battalion was there. We had the French special forces were there. We had, uh, third armor, was there grapes yeah yeah those freaking whales um yeah so um yeah we were the only ones that can't drink everybody else was um well it's the same way for us in the philippines i mean like all the all the army personnel like every sunday we do a big meal it was ribeyes and lobster tails on the grill yeah and they all got two coronas by all the army personnel really all the civilian contractors except for us because we were we were the quick reaction force and Mm -hmm. We couldn't have any alcohol, so that kind of sucks. Yeah, when we when I was in the Balkans, buddy, we went up and we did some work with the the Irish um, the Irish engineers. At noon, they stopped working, and they went down to the pub and they started drinking. The Germans, the Germans in the middle of, of a firefight, would pack up and leave so they could go watch World Cup. <laughs> like you would literally go, where the where the hell are those guys going? And then our interpreter would be like, World Cup's on, I'm going with them, and they would go back to their base. And the, and the Germans had this place called Camp Casablanca. They had taken over this old industrial, like, complex. It was some big, giant manufacturing complex, and they called it Camp Casablanca. Inside, they had seven bars. They actually had a full, um, like, official-size volleyball court. Uh, we went there. Me and three other engineers went there, and we actually built them a hot tub that they had from an old rinse tank. I think these guys were hooked up and we weren't like that. And they were drunk all the time, but we, but we couldn't drink, well, you know? Well, I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, most of the, most of the military back then was drunk all the time. It's just <laughs> whether or not you're supposed to be drunk. All no, the time. we, no, we, uh, maybe some of our guys, I'm not sure, but I know I wasn't, I know as a, like, we were out there. We got a thumb on us at all times, you know, but I remember the last, uh, was it the last night before we left? They gave us cases of Buckner's, which is like 1% alcohol. So people are drinking it. And you got like that 19-year-old kid who's drinking who thinks he's getting drunk. And he's acting like a complete moron because he thinks he's drunk. Like that, yeah. you know, like that one chick, like, you know, there's no alcohol in that, right? Put yeah. your clothes back on. So, <laughs> But yeah, like same thing with us. Like our Thanksgiving food was amazing. Our Christmas was, you know, it was Christmas. It was like the Thanksgiving, you know, part two. But, I mean, I remember, like, being out in the Balkans, and I remember I found, because the Balkans are really, they're a lot like, I, I would say, like, the topography is a lot like Maine, you know. Um, but I remember finding, like, this one pine tree, and I stripped the branches off it, and I brought it back and made my own Charlie Brown Christmas tree in my uh, in my room. But then I remember on Christmas Eve, we had, uh, somebody got a bunch of Christmas, uh, like, Santa Claus hats sent in. And we ran around with the Santa Claus hats on, and we made beards out of shaving cream. <laughs> no, we just do like, shit like that. You still don't make beards out of shaving cream? Oh no, no, I'm just talking about I did there. That's that's where it came from. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, so we were talking about like 
you know, the technology wise, but, you know, especially with COVID going on now, people, you know, and people are feeling the sting and obviously, but you wonder why veteran suicide so high, you know, it's because of the disconnect, I think. And I think that now mental health is such an issue with what's going on with COVID, uh, COVID, uh, with COVID that I think it's relatable. I honestly think that now it's like, Hey, wait a second. Now you understand, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think you're onto something with uh, with part of that. I mean, it's and I think even with a lot of the veterans right now, with some of the uptick, and might have been a lot of guys that went through this, mm. and it's kind of a flashback to when they didn't like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially when you get home, a lot of it, like the integration, reintegration into society, the guys that like get right back on it, like those social butterfly guys. Yeah, this is I, I would say agree with you. With this is almost like a you know a slap back into where the bad points were, you know, the, the disconnect, the, the alone, you know, that, that loneliness comes in and the depression kicks in too. Cause it's, yeah, it's like triggered, you know, and, and like a new trigger that nobody's expected before until now. Yeah. And it's definitely, it's a new trigger. It's probably something that we haven't really dealt with much before. I mean, you know, I, I think about all the, uh, all the veterans and, you know, even first responders that, you know, I, I know, and, you know, some of them have struggled over the years and you go and check on these people. Mm-hmm. Yep much less likely to go check on people right now with COVID. Yeah, exactly. No, but even like the simple text, you know, I, we get Fridays, I get a text from uh, one of the guys I used to work with and he texts everybody every Friday. It's like, Hey, how's things going? I'm like, Hey, good weekend to you. And whatever we do that on Fridays. And, and we like, I'm constantly aggravating people online, you know, and if like, especially Facebook, cause I'm not a sleeper. Um, but it's like, if I see somebody up at two o'clock in the morning and Chris is the same way, cause Chris works overnight and you probably do the same thing. If I see somebody online, that's not normally online. I send them a message like, Hey, you good? Or, you yeah. know, what's up? And usually I'll either get, uh, uh, you know, and then they go into what's wrong or I get a day later, you know, like, Oh, I was sleeping. I'm like, Oh, good. You know, I, I like that. That's better. So yeah, you get to like, or me where like I wake up in the middle of the night and Check to see what time it is, and I'm like, ugh, wipe the eyes, yeah. open yeah. up the phone real quick. Yeah, check your like, phone for any messages, yeah. notifications, clear out all the little uh, numbers at the top of your screen, and then roll back over. Yeah. You're like, what exactly. stupid friggin' thing did Scott send me now? <laughs> you don't send me anything stupid, Scott. Oh, no, you don't find it stupid because we have the same personality. <laughs> <laughs> but there are those people who just don't get me. And you know what? what? Shame on you. You're missing out. <laughs> two, two, two o'clock in the morning, I wake up to take a piss, and I look at my phone. Oh, Scott sent me a message on, on Messenger. Oh, look, a midget riding riding a, a Clydesdale. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Would that be for the equine therapy program? It is. It definitely is. It is. It's for all, anybody under the six foot mark. Not you, Chris. <laughs> 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 all right. So let's talk about let's talk about the whole first responder aspect of it, Chris. What about you? How do you? You're young, you don't, you're getting married, but you don't have children. No, nope. I mean, affecting you as a single person. You know, so for the, I, I've been in this career for, I don't know, five, almost six years now. I, I love working the holidays. Um, as bad as that sounds, but the thing is, is, as you said, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I'm going to be married soon, but my fiance understands kind of the, hey, there's people who have, you know, kids that are two, three, four. When Santa comes, they want to be there so they can see the reaction on the kid's face on what was, you know, delivered the night before or that morning. So, you know, I feel bad for the guys to an extent who work like that day shift or who work, you know, right in the middle of the day, three o'clock, 
um, where they can't be with their kids. So I usually tend to uh, pick up shifts or work doubles on those days just so they can actually spend time with their kids and everything else because that's time that you're probably not going to get back. Yeah, exactly. um, you're only five once, you know, or whatever else. So, I mean, you have a five-year-old. If well, even with my daughter, my daughter same was the same thing. thing. It was like I used to, I used to go in and work the overnights for guys, so I could have, so I could have Christmas morning with my kids. Because we, like we said, we early when we were offline, we were talking about if you don't live in the town that you work in, like Aaron, you live what an hour away from work. Yeah, almost an hour. Yeah, and like me, I didn't live in there, but I mean, that was that was a plus for some of the guys that worked. They could go home, you know, they'd switch areas, they'd go home with their kids and stuff. But there's that that anxiety of, is this when it, because what, ha- what ha- every Christmas morning, what happens, Aaron? Domestics. Yep. Medicals. Yeah, uh, absolutely, 100%. With a couple domestics. Yeah, always. And that's the thing. So you get home, you're with your kids, and you're kind of like, hurry up, hurry up, because I don't know when the, you know, when the shoe's going to fall, and I'm going to have to rush out this door, you know, and that's. Or it's snowing, and then, you know, grandma um, falls going up the stairs, yeah. or. Um, the somebody, car crashes. Yeah, that those. somebody's doing a turkey and decides to deep fry it, even though it should be on Thanksgiving. And then next to you know, half the house is caught on fire, unfortunately. <laughs> but like, you're supposed you, to deep fry those in the garage, right? Uh, no, it's back kitchen floor, back deck. Oh, it was, uh, I thought it was in the kitchen next to the house. No, with in the, the propane kitchen, so, inside. No, no, in the kitchen, so you can grab the utensils when you need them right out of the. Ah, uh, you're right. You know what? Yeah, yeah. and Scott linoleum, linoleum's fine. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't melt. Yeah. <laughs> right next to the drapes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but if you turn the vent on, you're fine. Yeah, it would be all right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so. I mean, you know, just a, a, a few things. Like, regardless of, you know, what shift you're working, it, it just kind of messes up your day. Yeah. Uh, it, but like Chris said, it it's actually not bad working the holidays. Even where I have small kids, like Thanksgiving, I've... I've worked almost every Thanksgiving since I've been a police officer. This year I had Thanksgiving off, and I don't, honestly don't remember the last time that happened. Yeah. You don't know what to do with yourself when, you, when you're when you not working a holiday because, you know, everybody's like, norm. oh, well, holidays are going to be slow. Well, wh- Never. what do you mean holidays are going to be slow? Like, first off, any day you work as a police officer, firefighter, you can't say – Oh, well, it's going to be a routine, normal day. There's no such thing as a routine, normal day in public safety. Right. You'll have that car accident. You're going to have this. Like the other day, um, it all of a sudden started flurrying out, and then it was like two inches of snow on the ground. Nobody knew how to drive. Yeah. Everybody forgot. Hmm. And people are already out Christmas shopping or getting stuff ready for this week. And um, next thing you know, it's just accident after accident after accident. And, and I that think is, that's the kiss of death. When you yeah. say, oh, God, I just hope it's going to be quiet tonight, that is the absolute kiss of death. Yeah. It's never. Because it never is. And even everybody's like, oh, well, all the calls will come in later in the day. Well, that's not necessarily true either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to get the calls for, uh, well, so-and-so. You're going to get the rise of the 911 calls first off yeah. because everybody's getting brand-new phones. They don't know how to use them iPhone has this great new thing on the side where if you press and hold the button for so many times, it's an SOS message that sends right into 911. Are you kidding me? No. So if you get one of the brand new ones, it's right below the button, uh, the volume buttons. If you hit it five times quick, it automatically dials 911. Well, what people don't realize is once it's already dialing, that call's already been placed. There's no ending yeah. it. Somebody's going to call you back regardless. So you're going to see an uptick in all the 911 calls. Now, Aaron, I don't know what your guys' policy up there for confirming 911 calls is for an accidental, but 
for the local town that I dispatch for and work for, um, well, that's it's the Commonwealth. It, yeah. yeah, and for the Commonwealth in general, is you have to confirm. Yep, because have to. You never if, know what's going on. If you dial nine one one, we have to physically lay eyes on you and make sure everything's okay. And make yeah. contact. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, I mean, with the hall, any holidays really, or any. I mean, you could say any birthday, somebody might get a phone or whatever else, but it's really around, you know, Christmas, the uh, Hanukkah, all the holidays in December that you're going to, you get an uptick of more calls and people are like, oh, well, usually is that the quietest time? Now with COVID and everything else, you know, where last year we started around what? It was like January, February. All right. Well, it was kind of, you know. I shouldn't say slow because it's not really slow. People are getting used to the, hey, I have to stay at home. I'm working at home. There's not a lot of cars on the road. Well, now people are kind of getting used to this COVID thing, going out, doing their thing. So the call volumes kind of increased a little bit. But at the same time, it's like, all right, you know. Well, I will say that back uh, last year, from about St. Patty's Day to almost Memorial Day, it felt like someone just, uh, you know, hit the e-brake and came to a stop. Yeah, abso- it, absolutely. For, for yeah. probably about seven or eight weeks, we, we our department averages about 20 calls for service a day. It's not, not a super busy department, but our, our yearly average comes out to, like, I think last year's average was, like, 20.2 calls uh, per, per day. Probably in that eight-week period, we averaged two calls a day. Wow, that's crazy. It literally just stopped. There, there were no one called 911. Uh, everyone just stayed in their houses. There were no motor vehicle complaints. There were no cars on the road. Uh, it, it was just insanity. It, it, we'd all look around wondering what was going to happen. We're just like, something's got to go wrong. It's just. Let, let me ask you a question, too. Since when you were working in the summertime, all right, because you're, you're, well, you work as a lodge destination. Uh, vacation destination. It's a, it's more of a summer location, right? It's a lakes region. I'd say it's more, it's more of a a vacation area. So yeah. the, the times of the years are really strange because uh, right now we're in kind of a lull because snowmobile season and ice fishing season hasn't really kicked off. Ski season's nah, just at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of our lull. And then we go through another lull typically in, in like uh, March and April is a little bit, bit quieter too. Because it's kind of the in-between seasons, but we we're pretty steady throughout the year. Yeah. Were you like the summer compared to like the summer before? Did you have? I mean, obviously the calm volume went down, right? Or did it go up because people were crazy and getting out? No, it was really weird. It was it was actually a pretty uh, pretty mellow summer this year. Um, we, we didn't have the traffic like we normally had, but I think a lot of that is because a lot of the traffic that we experience up here is people coming up for either the week or the day or a weekend. Um, so all the people that would come up here and come to their camp or stay at their friend's camp, uh, they're already here. Yeah. Everyone's working remotely. Everyone's companies are having them work from home. That's so true. if you've got a lake, if you live in North Andover mass and your kid's school's remote or your job's remote, your, your wife's you know job's remote and, why why sit in Massachusetts or New York or yeah, exactly. Connecticut when you can come and sit at your lake house? So they they all came up here and started working remotely from their second home. So so many of these people were already up here and they weren't having visitors like normal. 
So it, it significantly cut down on our traffic issues and we didn't have a lot of uh, people coming up for events. We, we had our fireworks this year, but it was a smaller event. It didn't get really publicized. Um, we, we didn't do our old home day, our parades, you know, typical um, larger events that draw in crowds from, from out of the region. You know, Swim with the Mission uh, was virtual this year. We didn't do our big Swim with the Mission event. I think the biggest um, thing that happened up there this summer was our event, the kayak event. I think so. I, I think that was one of, the, one of the larger events that we had up on the lake. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, there wasn't a, a lot of a traffic this summer. Yeah. I, I mean, we still have you know, a significant amount of call volume um, just year-round anyway because you know, we're, we're a town that's the hub for four other towns. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the grocery stores, the drug stores, the the restaurants, the bars, uh, the school district, the factories, everything's in our town. Yeah. And we're surrounded by four towns that don't have anything in them. So everyone comes here for everything else. And then those towns all have seasonal properties and all those people come here. So even you know throughout the year, it, it varies a little bit in type of calls, but we, we still have a, a good amount of traffic. You know, for local traffic, but it, this summer didn't seem like much, much more than that. And you're a huge cut through town too, because you get off, you get off the highway, you go through one town, through your town, and then you go up a bunch of different towns. You know what I mean? So, yeah, way to get there. Yeah, exactly. And it's very strange that you say that because I mean, obviously, we have a place up there, and we were going there all summer long too. And yeah, there was no traffic ever. The only time there would be a traffic, it was it was an accident on the way home, and it wasn't because of just call, you know, car volume. It was the fact that everybody had to stop. You know, the strangest thing was was back in like March and April um, when there was like no traffic anywhere because nobody was going to work or school or anything. And it was kind of a, a new thing. And everyone really stayed at home. And the average speed on the interstate from my house to work was about 95. No kidding. And there's only about like I can also attest for that, too, because same thing, same thing for um, me going home. So I work about. I don't know, depending on which way I go, it could be 25 to 45 minutes. And then there's days that uh, everybody was just going. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's like a tenth of the cars on the road. I mean, you know, usually this, this is, a, I mean, when I'm coming to work, I mean, I'm not going to say there's a lot of traffic. It's, you know, I'm going north from like the Manchester area. Yeah. I mean, it's. Usually, but going through Concord, you get a significant you know amount of traffic you know first thing in the morning. Well, plus the fact that it shoots down it shoots down to two lanes right as you come into Concord. Yeah, which is so ridiculous. No, yeah, no cars. I yeah. mean, it was like it, it was like midnight, you know, yeah. volume of cars yeah. at at rush hour in the morning on a Monday. Well, the and, funny thing too is if you looked um, if you fo- if you follow the New Hampshire State Police on Twitter or on uh, Instagram, they were posting some ridiculous speeds that they were getting guys at. Well, what happened was basically, um, basically every police department in the state of New Hampshire, including state, um, for a period of time, basically said, "Hey, until we know what's going on, only stop the worst of the worst." Yeah. Like you know, kind of, kind of let everything else go for a little bit. You know, limit your contact with everyone. Mm-hmm. So everyone kind of over over a month, you saw what happened with low traffic enforcement. Um, they basically weren't stopping anyone unless they were triple digits. Yeah. So the average commuting speed went from 70 to 90 and then they started stopping everyone again. And now they're getting ridiculous speeds because it only took a month of no enforcement before everyone decided it was a free for all. Imagine if they defunded the police completely, the havoc that it would cause. Yeah. And, and that's, this, this was a perfect example of that. And that's what I use all the time. Yeah. I explain to people, I'm like you get rid of, you get rid of one aspect and 
99% of the people driving their cars on the highways, going to work in the morning, are all law-abiding citizens. You didn't enforce their traffic speeds for a month. Yeah. And now they're now, now they're 25, 30 miles an hour faster than they've ever driven. Mm-hmm. Because they can. When the cat's away, the mice will play. Exactly. Yeah. So then you take that away and you put in the perspective of defunding the police. You start getting rid of criminal enforcement action. Yep. And now what do you think the criminals are going to do? Well, that was the fun, not to get into the defund the police political talk, but think about it. That was the first stuff to go. And like we always talk about mental health here. Mental health was, that was like one one of the first things to go. Um, you had your, the high crime area crime addiction teams, that was to go. The gang units to go. The the narcotics teams to go. Um then they were talking about maybe even getting rid of some of the SRO stuff. That's all community policing. That's the stuff that's huge that they keep pushing and saying that we need more of. But that was what the first thing they decided they wanted to to limit. Like, all right, we're defunding the police. Well, we're going to defund all these programs that are the things that put police firsthand interactive with the people in town, the people that the neighbors, the businesses, everybody else. The That's the community policing. The you know, the humanity, I don't even know what the word it is, but not dehumanity. Uh, what the frig am I, what word is it? It noted. No, yeah, it, it's realistically, you're putting a, you, it's human contact. You're yeah. putting a person who never would have experienced talking to another person before by not being on the street, but instead you're, you're limited now. People are strictly in cars, you know, right. driving around. Because, and even, even for us, our first thing to go when we're shorthanded is specialty enforcement stuff mm-hmm. because we still have to, staff our shifts and respond to emergencies so that's that's priority number one yeah calls of service yeah when you start you know reducing budgets you what you're really doing is you're starting to decrease your proactive policing your positive community influence Mm -hmm. and your specialized units that focus on serious offenses yeah so all those things that people complain about with these specialized units well, those aren't targeting grandma buying a dime bag of weed off of her nephew. <laughs> They're targeting large-scale drug dealers that are yep. wreaking havoc on the community or gangs that are, you know, indiscriminately shooting at, at apartment complexes because they think another gang member's in yep. there. It's going after the more serious offenses. And yeah, and, and think stuff. about it. And think about it. And and there was the directive saying limit limit contact, which now and it had nothing to do with defunding the police. It was the fact it was COVID. So COVID really if you think about it, it was kind of like a, hey, let's try this out for a little while and see how it works type of mentality, especially for law enforcement. Because if you were, it literally, because I know departments that were not even, the cops and police weren't even going to medicals. They were driving by going, hey, everything all right? Where from a police point of view, you go to, you know, something like, um, you know, a wife who fell down the stairs with the bunny ears, you know, or, you know, what happened? Oh, yeah, she fell down the stairs where a police officer goes there and he's trained a little better and not knocking like the first responder as far as our EMT and, and fire. Yeah. But we're trained to pick up on different things. Now, potentially, that was a domestic, you know, well, or potentially cool. something else. But now you've just taken it and you've not defunded, but you've changed the whole aspect of policing. And it's not going to be better this way. No, it's not. And I, I tell all our new guys when I train them. As far as going to medical calls, there's several several reasons why you go to medical mm-hmm. calls. Um, first and foremost, I mean, if, even if you're an extra set of hands, it's a help. Yeah. But what if you threw your wife down the stairs and you realize, oops, I went too far. I need to call 911 now. What are you going to tell 911? Yeah. She fell. Yep. So those calls that are a person falling, yeah, a woman you know, fell mm-hmm. down the stairs, 
that's a call you want to go to just to make sure. I mean, nine times out of ten, it's, it's legitimate. Yeah. But it happens fairly often where you go to these benign medical calls and you discover a crime while you're there. We can even get off the abuse subject, and we can also just go to the fact that you get an elderly man who, even like a lift assist, right? So a lift assist for people who aren't in the first responder world is you have an elderly person who fell out of a chair. They don't necessarily need medical attention. They just need to be helped back up into their chair, whether it's a wheelchair or whatever, right? But you go there. Now, as a first responder, you get there, and you look, and you go, all right, there's like... And, and this happened to me, and I'm speaking from experience. I got there, and I noticed that the guy had sheets of medication. It wasn't in a bottle. There was, like, brown shopping bags full of sheets of Oxycontin, right? And I looked, and I said, what's up with all this stuff? And the guy was like, oh, I just got back from the hospital. You know, I fell last time, and they sent me home with all this stuff. Dude, that is right there. That is uh, – uh, it's a shopping, you know, shopping mart for someone who – has a substance abuse problem, or even potentially to create a substance abuse problem. You know, nobody should have that much, you know, medication, especially oxy eighties. You know what I mean? So yeah. now that opens up to a whole different aspect of quality of care. Like uh, now it's like, all right, now now I'm a caretaker. I'm going to help you, and I'm going to find out why do you have all this medication, and let's do something about this medication because now you're going to make yourself a target. Or even the fact that, say, the guy needs some sort of help and he needs help more from social services. You know, he's living by himself. He has no food in the cabinets. You know, he's got no food. He's got a cat. The only thing I see on his countertops is empty cat food. Well, that's not a medical anymore. Now we're there to help this guy. You know what I mean? And that's why they should be going to medicals. No, and I'll tell you, that's a great point because that's one thing that I think a lot of people don't see from our side of things. The amount of times that me or someone else that I have worked that I work with or work for me have gone out with their own money and bought food for somebody absolutely whose house you went to and realized they had nothing yeah and they like okay um I'll be right back and they run out and they grab they grab them 50 bucks worth of groceries and bring it back to the house yeah that happens all the time you find out the guy has no running water and no heat or the other woman, yeah, exactly. And it's you know it, but they use. Listen, they've been through the depression. This is nothing for them, but it's but for us, we go no. This is no way to live, and it isn't a way any way to live. You shouldn't be living that way. But people don't understand by with police interaction like that. Uh, there's another perspective on things, and like I said, I'm not knocking firemen or, or police. I think that when we get there, we have like you know with social workers with guns. If you think about it, right. Um, but we have the avenues of helping these people out. So I call in the senior center and saying, hey, this person might need help. Or you find out the guy's a hoarder and you're like, hoarders, are meant, that's a mental health issue. You know what I mean? So people just don't understand that. And I, by, you know, with COVID happening and, and now you're limiting your exposure to services that are, are good for people, you know, where are we? You know, we're, we're limiting the production of care and response that we should be giving people. No, I, I I had to bring it back to COVID. <laughs> we gotta, well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of hard not to. Yeah, I know, I know. But so, yeah, I mean, but as far as like the holidays go, I think that now people are starting to get a taste of what people have sacrificed for freedom. You know, veterans and our service members, uh, we don't, they're not privy to, you know, hanging out with their family on, on holidays. Even if they're stateside, they're still not. And if you're like an E3 or like, uh, like even like I would say corporals, corporals are kind of run the show on on holiday weekends, right? Yeah. So 
So, yeah, so you'd say E4 and below, holidays, you're working, you know, and that's, and usually it's God duty or it's some extra duty. But I mean, I don't, like I said, I, when I was a sergeant, I used to pick up shifts for guys and I'd do, you know, I'd do God duty and stuff like that for people because I never had kids. But think about that. And a lot of people, you know, take it for granted. Like, oh, with COVID, I can't see my family. Well, think about that guy who just spent 30 years in the military. Yeah, exactly. You know? 20 years I mean, in the military, 10 years in the military. Yeah, and then and then you get all, all the first responders. It's not just police and fire and EMS and dispatch, <laughs> but you know, your your essential workers, your you know, your nurses, your doctor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the people that have to be at work regardless of what day it is. Yeah, we lump we lump our nurses and uh and all those guys into our first responder family. We we at the point now we don't even say it anymore. They're just our first responders. But you're hundred yeah. percent right. I mean, the world doesn't stop. And usually when people are home and they're stagnant. They do stupid things, and then they meet our first responders. Yes, you know. Uh, so, what's new in the world of Aaron? Oh, you know, just uh, I'm sitting here in my uh, my police car, watching mm -hmm. traffic drive past me. Yeah, very nice. Everyone's behaving so far. I'm I'm sitting on the side of the road, just to set the stage. I'm sitting on the side of the road, mm -hmm. on a mile long straightaway. Yeah. At a pull off, with my blue lights on solid. Nice. So that everyone from a mile in either direction slows down, so I don't have to actually stop any. That's power of suggestion, you know. Yes, it is. It uh, is. It, it's it's hoping that unless you run into me because you're yeah. drunk, yeah, that I can just sit here on the phone and not have to actually go do anything. You know, there's but, a, there's a term for that, right? What's that? When when uh, people in impaired smash into the back of police cars, it's called blue light asphyxiation. Mm, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I, when I used to run radar because I was a traffic officer, people used to say, oh, you're just out there to, to write tickets. I'm like, no, I'm just out here to slow people down. And then people would say, oh, do you like to write people tickets for, you know, flashing their high beams? I'm like, no, they're doing my job for me. That has a term too. It's called the halo effect. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I would say that all the time. I'm like, you're doing my job for me. If you drive to the next guy and flash your lights at him, and as you get farther out, you flash and flash, and you're slowing people down up till now two miles away from me, which is perfect because you're doing exactly what I want you to do. Slow down. Well, that's the whole point of traffic enforcement is changing driving behavior. Yep, exactly, which a lot of people don't understand. You know, they just think, oh, you're out here writing tickets. Listen, I, we don't get a, a cut of this. It's not like commission. We're not selling could you, anything. Could you imagine if you get commissioned for tickets that you wrote? I when I did trucks, I wrote a thirty-five thousand dollar ticket. I, was I with? No, I, we we were with the landscape. Yeah, that day. And it was um yeah. I used to write those tickets all the time. If I and, and I'll tell you if if I got commissioned for it, I would have retired a lot earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no. But you look oh. at some of these truck guys out there writing tickets. Mm. Oh, my. and I was and I was a nice guy. I was like the nice guy. Like everybody was like, "Oh, oh, I got, I could stop by you. That's good," because I just, I, I just documented all the violations. I would really wouldn't put pen to paper unless you really deserved it. And you were that guy who, you know, decided to step on my toes and try to tell me that you knew more than me and whatever. But that was when I had to give everybody lessons. Yeah, they don't usually do that with the state guys because they just kind of sit there and they're just like, "I'm getting screwed." Yeah. Well, the difference between like I worked with the state on that, with like I, my truck team was worked with their truck that hand in hand with their truck team but it was funny because when you yeah like you said it said state police on their shirt they wouldn't mouth off but when they saw it was me it was like oh you're not dot you can't do this i'm like oh actually i can hold on let me uh let me just start doing this for you and look it's on the same paper as the state police's when you get the same ticket so there you go <laughs> well they always love they always love it when i uh i don't stop trucks very often 
and when I do stop a truck, it's because they're getting a lot of tickets from DOT. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I stop them and go, hey, by the way, we're going to hang out here until uh, until one of the motor vehicle guys comes over. <laughs> and that was the best thing because by federal law, you can move them 15 miles out of their way to inspect them. Yep. And you can hold them as long as you want. There isn't, there's no expectation of like, of like with a motor vehicle stop, it has to be a reasonable amount of time. Like it has to be like, all right, I'm going to wait for a second. I'm going to wait for a canine to come. And it can't be an hour and a half. It's got to be, you know, in a reasonable amount of time with, with trucks. No, you're, you're there. It's yours. And you can might as well get a sandwich and sit back and enjoy this because we're going to be here a while, like yep. all the time. And no full inspection ever took less than an hour. Okay. No. Yep. I've had a, I've had a couple of them that, that we've uh, we've had pulled them over to an inspection area, waited a half an hour for a trooper to show up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've written them lots of lots of tickets. Yeah. And that's the thing people don't understand. It's like when you stop a motor vehicle. All right. So say, for instance, I stop a car. A regular car, and, and this is, so every lighting violation, you would put, like, taillights. If a tail, if taillights didn't work, both your taillights don't work, that's one violation, taillights. In motor vehicle land, that's four. That's your running lights, left and right, two. Your brake light, left and right, four. And that's how they write it. So every violation, every single thing is a violation. It's not like lighting violation. Oh no, it's thirteen lighting violations, and it's <laughs> and it and it's brutal. But that's the way the feds want it, you know. And the and you know what thing people are like? Oh, that's crazy. No, that's safety. You have a truck that weighs a hundred thousand pounds behind you with no brakes. You want that guy to be held accountable for it. You want him to be his vehicle to be in tip top shape because when that thing doesn't stop or that thing's in you know a, a POS. You don't want your family in the in the minivan behind it or in front of it or next to it, right? Yep. Yeah. So it's 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 the way that it is. It's so strict the fines that it holds them accountable, and well, that's it's, it. It's like um, you might remember this up on four ninety five, a utility company had a the bobcat had the bobcat that fell off and killed a family. Yeah, because it wasn't there was no bindings on it. The guy just just quickly Friday afternoon threw it on the on the trailer and was like, "Ah, this thing's not going to go anywhere." And it walked off the trailer. That's right. Yeah, remember that? It uh, smashed into the car. Yeah. So, so yeah. It, when when people it, we had we had one a uh, couple towns away uh, not too long ago that they didn't strap down an excavator on the back and they hit a bump and the thing uh, came up in the air. The boom came up and uh, took out every electrical line. Oh. For half a town. Yeah, oh, that must have been great. Can you imagine so that, it Bill? Really great. It was in it was in February too, and it was sub zero oh. temperatures. So, sitting on the detail for that was uh, I was painful watching the uh, the broadband crew <laughs> up there. They they had this like little like almost looked like a bob house that they put up over the thing. Yeah, with, yeah. in it, yeah. and they had to individually splice something stupid like twelve thousand wires. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, we- there for half days. Oh my God, that's brutal. But that's the thing. Let's see. That's what people don't see for law, like the law enforcement aspect of of a lot of things, is they see the guys, you know, they, like all right. So you see a truck on the side of the road, and there's a trooper, and he's out there, and he's got a clipboard, and, he, and they're like, oh, look at this guy giving this hard working guy a hard time. No, no. He, there's a bigger picture to this. There's a different element of it. It's not. Listen, it's it's a safety aspect. This, you know, that trooper is going, not going. Hey, I'm going to really stick to this mom and pop who, you know, has got one truck. He's got, you know, 15 clients, and for the one hour I have him here, I'm really inconveniencing every one of his clients. Like, they don't do that. And, and if that guy's going and he's getting his jollies off on that, well, he shouldn't be a cop. But, you know, but it's the ones that are like, that are doing that, 
you got to look at it and go, there's a reason for this. Yeah, the reason is public safety. You know, first and foremost, it's public safety. You know, for the police to interact with certain people, it's for public safety. It's not harassment. It's us going, hey, there's a reason for this. And maybe you should just look at it from a different perspective. Like we look at everything from a different perspective than other people. And sometimes you just need to go, all right, so fill me in. Why is this way? You know, be open-minded to it and understand that you don't know everything, even though you may think you know everything. But it's just like, you know, walking into a restaurant. Where do you sit? You sit with your back to everybody else and your Mm -hmm. face looking at the door. Yeah. Yeah, you're an observer. You're a trained observer, right? Oh, we're so off topic. It's awesome. This is like this is our typical uh, typical podcast. We literally say, "All right, this podcast we're going to talk about bottled water." And the next thing you're like, "Yeah." So then there's grass, and this grass needs to be cut every other day. And my damn lawnmower. So it this is typical for us. And anybody who listens to us, 100 uh, percent gets it. So. <laughs> so hope we should wrap it up because we probably lost everybody that would listen to it by now anyway. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it. So, Aaron, stay safe, buddy. Don't go anywhere when we end this. I want to keep talking. Roger. All right. So, Thanks for coming on. We appreciate you having you. You're welcome. Anytime. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So hold Nick, tight, and we'll uh, we'll be right with you. More entertaining, like, like um, I don't know, corn? Yeah, we could. We could talk about that next. The sponsors won't like it, but uh, whatever. Hey, <laughs> yeah, hold, out, hold tight, because uh, we have to talk about offline. We have to talk about something we'll talk about online. How's that for a teaser? All right, hold on, Aaron. All right, everybody, thanks for uh, tuning in again. Like I said, we went off the rails a couple times on this, but, you know, you get a good good perspective on certain things um, and different things. So, um, Chris, got anything? Again, guys, um, with the holidays, I hope everybody has a great holiday. And uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. You can always text talk to 741-741 or my favorite three numbers of 911. Hey, you know what What number works really good, too? Anyone on your call log. If you're having a hard time, reach out to your call log. Call somebody. Even if it's not to talk about what's going on in your mind, just to talk to somebody really makes a huge difference. And it also goes the other way. Call one of your buddies. Check on your buddies. Check on somebody you haven't heard from in a while. Check on the guys that just retired. That's huge right now. If you can't call a stranger, call a friend. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Stay safe. Stay healthy.